0: I'm Bonnie Lin, Director of the China Power Project and Senior Fellow for Asian Security at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. In this episode of the China Power podcast, we will discuss China's policies toward Afghanistan. China shares a narrow border with Afghanistan along its western frontier. The Wakhan Corridor is short and the terrain is rough. Yet, China holds significant security concerns about extremism spilling over into a Xinjiang region. China has long been concerned about the role of the Taliban and its connections to Uyghur militant groups, such as the East Turkestan Islamic Movement, also known as the Turkestan Islamic Party. In June, the United Nations assessed that members of the group in Afghanistan were primarily concentrated in the northern provinces approaching the China-Afghanistan border. To address some of these concerns, Beijing has stepped up cooperation with Kabul in recent years to strengthen border security near the Wakhan Corridor. Geographically situated at the crossroads of Central, South, and West Asia, Afghanistan also holds significant geopolitical importance in the context of China's economic interests. China has demonstrated interest in gaining access to Afghanistan's natural resources, such as copper and oil. The two sides have also expressed interest in incorporating Afghanistan into the Belt and Road Initiative. However, security concerns on the ground have hindered the prospects for implementing new projects. After the United States completes its withdrawal from Afghanistan, China will keep a close watch on how the situation unfolds. The Taliban has made rapid advancements in gaining control, sweeping into Kabul. The Afghan government has collapsed, and the Taliban is in control. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi has consistently advocated for an Afghan-led and Afghan-owned peace process moving forward, and China continues to have a vested interest in promoting stability in the region. While Beijing has yet to explicitly recognize the legitimacy of the regime, Taliban leadership visited China in late July to meet with Wang Yi. Amidst the takeover of the capital, Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson Hua Chunying stated that China has maintained contact with the Taliban on the basis of respecting Afghan national sovereignty. To discuss this and more, I am joined by Laurel Miller, Director of the International Crisis Group's Asia Program. Laurel has had multiple tours of government service, working in the U.S. Department of State and National Security Council. She most recently served as Deputy and then Acting Special Representative for Afghanistan and Pakistan, at the Department of State from 2013 to 2017. She also held senior expert positions at the RAND Corporation and the U.S. Institute of Peace. Laurel, thanks for joining us. Glad to be with you. Laurel, I know you closely watch the situation in Afghanistan. To start, could you describe the recent developments in the security landscape there? How much control has the Taliban gained over the past few months, and why does that matter to China?
1: We've seen a a really unprecedentedly fast change in the security picture in Afghanistan in the course of the conflict in Afghanistan in recent months and then accelerating in recent days to the point of complete collapse of the Afghan government politically and militarily. The Taliban over recent, well, really over recent years, but accelerating in recent months and weeks, pursued a steady strategy of encirclement of the cities and larger towns in Afghanistan and control of the major roads in Afghanistan, positioning themselves to move on those larger towns and cities and ultimately on Kabul when they were ready to do so. I think many projected that there would then be pretty stiff fight for those cities and towns with the Afghan government forces and some associated militias putting up a fairly stiff resistance. And one of the scenarios that was quite plausible was that things would settle into a very protracted civil war with a back and forth stalemate, with neither side being decisively dominant for a protracted period of time. That was probably an unfavorable scenario for China because it would have been a recipe for protracted instability in the country, refugee flows, problems that China might not have felt directly, but that Pakistan, with which China has a close relationship, certainly would have felt. Instead, what happened is that as the Taliban did ultimately in the waning days of the American presence in Afghanistan, make its move on provincial capitals, again, these sort of larger towns and cities around the country, many of them collapsed without a fight um, through a combination of military and political moves that the Taliban made, ultimately culminating over this past weekend on the fall of Kabul without a fight and the political leadership of Afghanistan fleeing the country and the military leadership melting away. And I think what we can see here is that This final collapse was more a consequence of weakness on the side of the Afghan government and their forces than it was in any particular change in strength on the Taliban side. This means that there is now the Taliban as the de facto only real power in Afghanistan, a fluid situation right now as to what that means in terms of the government they're going to set up and how they are going to rule the country. This creates, uh, I think, as many questions for Beijing as it does for other governments around the world in terms of, you know, how is it that the Taliban is going to govern? Are they going to follow through on promises that they made to Beijing and other countries in the region, that they will protect those countries' interests, in Beijing's case, on the question of ETIM and whether uh, they really will keep that group that, um, that China regards as a terrorist group under control. I mean, just tremendous uncertainty about what the picture is going to look like internally in Afghanistan. And as I said, whether the Taliban is going to externally really be able to keep the many promises and assurances that it made to regional powers, including Beijing, in the past weeks, months, and, and indeed years. But China will no doubt seek to exert influence over the situation based on the relationship that it has cultivated with the Taliban over a long period of time, a relationship that it cultivated, you know, in large part because it was hedging its bets and, you know, and had judged that what has materialized now, which is Taliban control of Afghanistan, was a possibility. And they have positioned themselves to have a relationship with this Taliban government in Afghanistan, to recognize them and to try to use that relationship as a vector for influencing them, at least as regards their foreign policy.
0: Thank you, Laurel, for such a comprehensive assessment of the situation on the ground and the dynamics currently in the region. You mentioned quite a bit about uh, China's relationship with the Taliban already. Could you also talk about China's relationship with the Afghan government? And how does that differ from its relationship with the Taliban?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you can certainly see China as balancing a relationship with the two sides in this conflict which it has done for a while, but like a lot of other governments around the world, Beijing has, in that balancing, has tilted more towards the elected Afghan government, which it has supported as the legitimate government of Afghanistan. It has supported that government diplomatically, politically, and also in a material sense with some development assistance and other kinds of civilian, non-military material assistance to the government. But over the years, it has cultivated contacts with the Taliban, as a lot of governments did, particularly governments in the region, and as the United States did. And as U.S. negotiations with the Taliban came out into the open in 2019, 2020, and the U.S. moved towards overt negotiations with the Taliban about a U.S. withdrawal and counterterrorism issues, that process legitimized Beijing's and a lot of other countries' contacts with the Taliban so that those contacts came out more and more in the open. And I think you see that most prominently just this past week with a visit that Taliban figures made to Tianjin and met with the Chinese foreign minister, Wang Yi, in, a, in what had all the appearance of an official diplomatic visit at quite a high level. Whether China will play a larger role in the future than now, my guess is depends on what opportunities there are for China that it perceives itself to play a larger role. I would say China has overall tried to be helpful in pushing forward a peace process between the Afghan government and the Taliban. It has provided, as I said, some development assistance to Afghanistan. It has had some modest and not very well developed investments in Afghanistan in mining in particular. But I think overall you have to say Beijing has been cautious not to get too entangled, trying to be net helpful in promoting stability, not least because of the very important relationship between China and Pakistan and Pakistan's interest in stability in Afghanistan, but also China's own interests because of the presence of some terrorist groups, but still a cautious role. I don't see China rushing in in the wake of the, let's say, not terribly successful American intervention in Afghanistan trying to fill some kind of gap or void there.
0: You referenced the uh, recent meeting between Wang Yi and the Taliban leaders. Could you talk a little bit about that and what your view of came from the meeting? Did you view it as significantly changing China's relationship with the Taliban or more or less of reaffirming the previous relationship?
1: I think it was reaffirming and further developing the relationship along the same trend lines as before. You saw publicly, and I have no doubt this is a reflection of at least some of the private discussions, you saw China reinforcing its message to the Taliban about what China cares about, which is keep a lid on any terrorist groups that might be a threat to us. You know, you have to say that's not dissimilar from what the U.S. (laughs) message to the Taliban has been. It's just uh, different terrorist groups or different groups perceived to be terrorist groups that are of most concern to China as compared to the United States. But I'm sure it was quite intentional that that message was publicly conveyed as well, what China's interests are in Afghanistan. I think you could also see the visit as sending a signal that China is prepared to work with a Taliban-dominated government in the future in Afghanistan. It is prepared to see that eventuality and to try to work with the grain of that eventuality rather than against it. But frankly, you can see that in the U.S. withdrawal decision from Afghanistan as well. I mean, the U.S. decided, President Biden decided to withdraw the U.S. military from Afghanistan because he judged that continued presence couldn't make the situation better than it was. The necessary corollary of that decision is he also decided that preventing the situation from getting worse was not something that was in the US interest. And further, you have to see President Biden's decision to pull US military forces out of Afghanistan as a decision to tolerate the possibility that the Taliban would come to power, either through a complete military victory or enough of a military victory to dictate terms in a final political settlement. Of course, the U.S. doesn't prefer that outcome, but the U.S. decision to pull out means that the U.S. is prepared to tolerate that outcome in Afghanistan. And so it is understandable in a sense that China, like other countries, would be looking to find a way to work with that outcome, which they no doubt perceive as being a potential outcome as well. I think from the Taliban side, what you can say about the visit to China and the meeting with Wang Yi is that it's part of a rather savvy foreign policy that they are pursuing at the moment of outreach to countries in the neighborhood of Afghanistan. Not a new phenomenon. They've been doing this for a while, but certainly a reinforced phenomenon of trying to convey to those governments and the neighborhood, that they will be an acceptable political actor, that they will not be threatening, and that they will be stewards of a good neighborly Afghanistan. I'm not suggesting that's a message that should be taken at face value, but that is what their message is. And part of the reason for that is no doubt that the U.S. and European powers, the main donors to Afghanistan... Are leaning very heavily on the carrot of legitimacy and financial assistance as a way to exert leverage over the Taliban if they come into a share of governance in Afghanistan. And you can see the Taliban outreach to the neighborhood as blunting the effectiveness of that leverage that the US is leaning on because it might end up being good enough for the Taliban that they are accepted by China, Russia, Iran, the Central Asian states, some countries in the Gulf, Pakistan, who are going to be much less fussy about what happens internally in Afghanistan in terms of human rights and rights of women than the United States and European powers would be.
0: Thank you. I want to follow up on that point that you made about the Taliban's views and its relation with Beijing a little shortly. But I did want to get back to the topic of, from your perspective, how does China view U.S. withdrawal? Did China want the U.S. to withdraw, or did China want the United States to maintain some presence? Does China view this as a general opportunity or a more uncertain situation? China, like
1: Russia and Iran, has long had a very conflicted attitude towards the American and NATO military presence in Afghanistan. On the one hand, those countries very clearly did not want permanent American bases in Afghanistan, what they consider their backyard. On the other hand, they all in one way or another suffer the consequences of instability in Afghanistan. And we're perfectly cognizant of the fact that an American withdrawal Whenever it happened, was likely going to lead to more rather than less instability in Afghanistan, and this is why those governments, to varying degrees of openness um, versus opaqueness, actually supported efforts to try to launch a political negotiation in Afghanistan to resolve the conflict. And it's frankly why Afghanistan was for a long time referred to by both Chinese and American officials as a bright spot, quote unquote, in the U.S.-China relationship, because it was an area where there was some commonality of interest. And it's also the fact that for Beijing, for Moscow, for Tehran, they could kind of sit on the sidelines and wait to see what the US did and either criticize the US for staying too long or criticize the US for leaving too soon. And it was really, you know, a no win proposition for the US side and a kind of perverse win-win for these other governments that would either benefit from American success or be able to blame the U.S. for failure. In the event, Beijing is criticizing the U.S. for what it is terming a hasty withdrawal. Some Americans may say, how can it be hasty after 20 years? But there was not any near-term prospect of conditions improving so greatly in Afghanistan that the withdrawal would not be anything other than what it is now, which is producing greater chaos in the country.
0: Many argue that China would fill the power vacuum left behind by the United States and NATO. In your view, is there any evidence to suggest that China has already begun to do so?
1: China is going to be wary of trying to fill the vacuum of power and influence uh, left in the wake of the U.S. and NATO exit from Afghanistan. I think they will, first of all, have learned some lessons from U.S. and NATO entanglement in the country over the last 20 years and won't be eager to uh, make any of the perceived mistakes that have been made. I think it's quite unlikely they are going to rush to provide any kind of security assistance to what is now a new Taliban, a de facto power in Afghanistan. I mean, it's possible that they may develop some kind of security assistance relationship with the Taliban regime in Afghanistan in the future, but I don't think that they will jump right into that. And I certainly don't think it's likely based on Chinese cautious approach to its involvement in Afghanistan, as well as its approach to its security presence elsewhere in the world. I I don't think it's likely at all that they're going to put Chinese boots on the ground to provide any kind of security there. Not that it would even be needed, really, in the circumstances that have now materialized in Afghanistan. But if, for instance, the situation looks unstable in areas of particular concern to China uh, in the Wakhan Corridor, areas near its border, I don't think it's going to rush into, as I said, put any any boots on the ground there. So, you know, I do think there is a distinction to be drawn, though, between political and military power in Afghanistan. And on the political side, I think China has positioned itself rather well and is naturally positioned to play a fairly influential role if it chooses to in Afghanistan going forward. First of all, the Taliban is going to need some external assistance, financial assistance Assistance from somewhere. It's definitely not going to get it from Europe. It's not likely to get it from the U.S. Uh, the Russians and Iranians are not big providers of uh, foreign assistance. So I think it's very likely that the new Taliban regime will be looking to Beijing to see if they will fill some of that gap. And we'll have to watch to see what the response is. I would expect also Pakistan, given its close relationship with China, would encourage China to provide assistance to the Taliban regime, knowing that you know someone's got to fill the gap there in order to keep the wheels of some form of government moving without having a you know state collapse right next door on their border. So we've seen, as I said, Beijing positioning itself to be able to play that kind of enhanced political role in Afghanistan, including very recently with the visit of the, the high level engagement that the Taliban had with the Chinese foreign minister, but other contexts before that over time. And, you know, we'll have to watch and see how much advantage China wants to take of this opportunity. But I think it's unquestionable that China is going to have more opportunity going forward to play a more influential role in Afghanistan. I know there's been some discussion or speculation about the prospect of Beijing participating in some kind of peacekeeping mission, perhaps a UN peacekeeping mission in Afghanistan at some point. I don't think that's particularly realistic or likely. I mean, the potential for a UN peacekeeping mission there is vanishingly small. And so I don't see any likelihood that there would be any such mission for Beijing to participate in. Moreover, I think that leadership in Beijing is probably smart enough not to, right on the heels of an American withdrawal, be yet another global power to get its feet stuck in the mud in Afghanistan. So that doesn't seem very likely to me It's hard to know whether Beijing will reinforce its civilian financial support for Afghanistan, partly because there's so much opacity about how much support there has actually been. There have been some numbers thrown around, but really there's so little transparency about what scale of development assistance Beijing has provided and actually followed through on that it's difficult to anticipate what the possibilities for that might be ahead. And also there's so much instability there right now, the prospects of actual development assistance being able to manage and spend that are reduced. Afghanistan has terrible, dire humanitarian assistance needs right now. And those needs are not being filled by anyone. Only about a third of the UN appeal for humanitarian aid for Afghanistan is funded. And I would hope that Beijing and others would step up on that, but I haven't myself seen the signs of it. Afghanistan is suffering not only from the conflict and a devastating COVID crisis, but also drought, rising food insecurity, increasing levels of poverty in the last few years, and a lot of displacement now internally and externally because of the conflict intensifying.
0: Laurel, it seems like if this is a, and please let me know if this is a correct characterization of what you said. It seems like what you're suggesting is China will be pretty cautious in terms of its next moves in Afghanistan. China is not going to necessarily be advancing significantly on the security side or much on the security side. On the economic side, what you're saying is there's significant question marks on return for investment, as well as whether this situation is stable enough on the ground. I think that's right. I
1: think what we can say is that China has been fairly cautious so far over the last 20 years, involved, but cautiously involved. And the idea that Beijing would now really jump with two feet into Afghanistan in such a moment of uncertainty about who is even going to be the government of Afghanistan six months from now doesn't seem very plausible to me.
0: So as you look forward, would you still expect, generally, China's influence in Afghanistan to rise with the U.S. withdrawal? And what would that mean in terms of how would you see China trying to use its influence in Afghanistan? Would it be mainly to advance its Belt and Road Initiative or have a larger influence on Central Asia? How do you basically see China wielding its growing influence in Afghanistan, if that is the trajectory?
1: I think it's likely that Afghans on both sides of the conflict will hope for more Chinese involvement in Afghanistan after the American withdrawal and the inevitable, at some point, reduction in American financial assistance to Afghanistan. Because Afghanistan remains existentially dependent for its state operations on external sources of funding. And so Afghanistan would love to be a greater part of the Belt and Road Initiative. And indeed, the U.S. at times had even in the past encouraged Beijing to be more forward leaning on connecting Afghanistan to Belt and Road in the last couple of years. That's been less of a talking point on the American side, but in the past that had been the case because Afghanistan needs more help. And this is another example of where we've seen Beijing being cautious vis a vis Afghanistan. The cultivation of the relationship with the Taliban you can see as part of a policy of trying to ensure that there is influence with all parts of the political and security spectrum in Afghanistan. Beijing has, it seems, tried to use its influence to push the parties towards some kind of political negotiation. I can't say that I've seen that diplomatic exertion of influence be particularly effective or successful. I mean, it's another voice that's a net helpful voice among those influential countries that want to see greater stability in Afghanistan. But I don't think that Beijing has shown some will, but not a lot of experience and capability really shining through in how to help facilitate and you know sort of deftly diplomatically push forward a political settlement what the US i think has more than anything hoped for from China and Europeans and others not only the US is that China because of its very close relationship with Pakistan the US and others have hoped that Beijing would use this influence with Pakistan to use its Pakistan's influence on the Taliban to get them to have a ceasefire, uh, you know, engage in a political process, otherwise push the country towards stability. And there's so much opacity about the inner workings of the Beijing-Islamabad relationship that it's very hard to know whether China really has or has not pushed Pakistan in the way that the US and others have hoped. I guess we could say, just looking at the results, the theory of the case, That the sort of transitive property of influence that China could influence Pakistan, who could influence the Taliban, just it hasn't produced results, whether it's not produced results because they haven't tried, or it's not produced results because it just didn't work, we can't say, but we can say it hasn't produced the desired results.
0: Now that you've brought in Pakistan leads me to an argument that I've heard a number of folks make in terms of the US withdrawal from Afghanistan. Some have argued that the US withdrawal is actually detrimental in terms of US interest to compete with China. One of the arguments being that our withdrawal from Afghanistan provides us with less ability to base troops close to China's border. The other argument related to Pakistan is It provides a vacuum for China and Pakistan to increase its influence in Afghanistan, which then might pressure India. So could you talk a little bit about, do you feel that the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan has significantly negatively impacted our ability to compete with China? In the near term, no. I mean, what good
1: are troops in Afghanistan vis-a-vis China? First of all, troops in Afghanistan are always going to be mired in what's going on in Afghanistan. American troops in Afghanistan are not going to be in a position to project power vis-a-vis China in any meaningful way as compared to the other ways in which the US can project military power around the world. Sitting there in landlocked Central Asia is just a, not a very useful place for American military forces vis-a-vis other countries. And by the way, to get in and out of Afghanistan, American forces have to transit Pakistan. So if the U.S. was trying to use its you know bases in Afghanistan to be threatening in some fashion towards China or even just to be clearly positioned in a way that related to Chinese interests, there's no way Pakistan would continue to tolerate that. And American forces just simply can't get in and out. I mean, you've either got to go over Pakistan, Iran, or Central Asian countries that are very much under the influence of Russia. And this points to the lack of utility of bases in Afghanistan for those kinds of purposes. In terms of a vacuum for influence, I mean, similarly, I'd have to say, influence for what? What is the harm potential to the United States and US interests of more Chinese influence in Afghanistan? You know, what is to be lost for the United States if the balance of influence shifts more to China than to Washington in Afghanistan, if that even has a prospect of happening. Afghanistan is going to be an insecure, troubled, poor, landlocked, arid, weak state for a very long time. And I think the net benefits to Afghans and the world of greater stability, if China can achieve it rather than the United States are greater than anything that the US loses. One question mark out there, and I don't really have the answer to it, is the question of whether there are substantial natural resources, particularly mineral resources, to be exploited in Afghanistan. There have been assertions of substantial untapped mineral wealth. My understanding is that that's not proven, really. I mean, not been that much surveying, geological surveying. And again, you know, the ability to get in and out of there and exploit those resources is very difficult for the time being. Does China have some grand, very long-term vision of exploiting those resources in a way that's net beneficial to China, net harmful to China's competitors around the world? I don't know. But I would say any vision that they might have, it's got to be a very long-term vision indeed.
0: Laura, you had mentioned earlier that as the Taliban increases power and potentially controls Afghanistan, it might be okay with a foreign policy that basically means recognition of its control over Afghanistan by Russia, by China, basically uh, non-Western countries. So in that scenario, and as China is growing partnership with the Taliban, could you envision a, a scenario in which China might tolerate the Taliban to engage in activities or behavior that would undermine U.S. interests? Or do you think that there might still be some checks on the Taliban? Because I'm trying to envision a scenario in which growing Chinese influence could be harmful to the United States in Afghanistan. What is plausible to me, clearly, is that China...
1: Similarly, Russia, Iran would tolerate Taliban domestic policies that the U.S. would have a very hard time openly accepting. So for instance, let's say the Taliban comes to dominate governance in Afghanistan and they reimpose policies that are very harsh towards women and you know, exclude women from public space that would be a government that I don't see the US Congress voting for financial aid for. But will Beijing and Moscow and Tehran fuss too much about that? Probably not. In terms of external threats. It has to be said, I mean, what I just described is a scenario in which the Taliban is not threatening to the United States and United States interests per se. It's just threatening towards the interests of other Afghans who don't agree with those policies. In terms of external interests, I mean, turning a blind eye towards the kinds of harboring of terrorist groups that led to the American invasion in the first place. I have a tough time seeing Beijing doing that. I suspect that they are cognizant that it's difficult to draw very finely calibrated distinctions between this terrorist group and that terrorist group and signal to the Taliban, well, it's okay if you allow al-Qaeda to resurge so long as they're threatening the United States, but just don't allow other terrorist groups to resurge, don't allow ETIM. I I suspect that Beijing would be cognizant that drawing those fine distinctions when these militant groups, they swim in a stew of militancy where there are lots of interconnections between them. I'd be a little more concerned about Moscow and what kind of signaling they might send to the Taliban. But no, I mean, the Taliban, I'm not saying I, take at face value their promises to keep a lid on terrorist groups after an American withdrawal. But I would say they've probably learned a lesson from the American invasion in 2001. And going to the extent of allowing Afghan territory to be used in a way that is threatening to the United States and attributable to Afghan territory, I suspect they would be wary of that even apart from China's perspective.
0: And a last question for you, Laurel, and this goes back to what you mentioned earlier about how Afghanistan was a bright spot in U.S.-China cooperation. Is it still a bright spot, or does the U.S. withdrawal mean that cooperation is sort of out the door? You had mentioned that the Chinese had mentioned that the U.S. withdrawal is too fast in some ways. Is there still room for cooperation between the United States and China on Afghanistan? And if so, in what ways?
1: The brightness has dimmed, that's for sure.
0: I think it's been a while since there was
1: any referenced bright spot in U.S.-China relations. But first, I think it has to be acknowledged that the brightness was always somewhat exaggerated. I mean, even five, 10 years ago, you know, there was so little in terms of bright spots in the relationship that the U.S.-China cooperation on Afghanistan was, in fact, exaggerated. This bright spot idea was referenced in, you know, summit-level statements, but the actual activities didn't really measure up to the rhetoric. There was interaction. There was diplomatic engagement in a a cooperative mindset between the U.S. and China. There was some effort in the 2015-16 timeframe in particular of working in a format together with Pakistan and Afghanistan of trying to have a a kind of joint format between China, the US and these other countries to perhaps even host peace talks. It was called a quad at that time, but quadrilateral it was called to distinguish it from other quads, I suppose. And it didn't get very far, but that was a fairly overt form of collaboration. There was very limited collaboration in a joint training program for Afghan diplomats. And the jointness amounted to, you know, first they went to Washington, then they went to Beijing. I mentioned these fine details just to give you a sense of how it was exaggerated even then when Washington and Beijing were looking for brightness to reference. I think there has been and there still is a possibility for parallel action, you know, rowing in the same direction on peace process issues. You don't have to be in the same boat to at least row in the same direction. And I think there is still a possibility of that, of having diplomatic contacts where information is shared and where coordinated or at least parallel action is taken to try to push the Afghan parties in a direction towards an ultimate political settlement. but it clearly it's become tougher. I mean, you know, you don't need me to tell you how poor the environment for U.S.-China relations has become. And it does speak to this broader idea that the U.S. has of compete and yet cooperate where you can. You know, I think this is an example that shows the challenge of trying to cooperate when you're engaged, not in a friendly competition, but in an unfriendly competition.
0: Thank you very much for joining us today. And I, you've loved so much for folks to consider and to think through themselves too. Thank you. It's really my pleasure to be with you.